Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Welcome back, everybody. Let me get right to it here. Lots of uh, lots of different subjects to go over. A lot of jab-related things as well here, and a couple of stories that I'd like to tell um, regarding some observations that other people have have mentioned and brought to my attention. In particular, an old neighbor who uh, dis- who who stopped by and paid a visit. Um, First of all, I, I want to get into just very quickly here more proof that this Uvalde thing was completely fake, and this won't take long. But because again, I've been over it at length, as you already know. But again, if you needed more proof, here's here's more proof right here. The school principal uh, was uh, Mandy Gutierrez, is apparently her name. She was a allegedly placed just last week on paid administrative leave for three days and then was reinstated as the principal of the school building. I, it, it, it almost requires no analysis whatsoever because those who have been in the education business know that if people actually died, she would have lost her job and she also would have quit. One of the two things would have occurred on top of, of course, her being sued in civil court, if not criminal court, for criminal negligence and breach of contract and a thousand other things that she allegedly didn't follow. But she would have been sued in civil court by the parents themselves. You see, this right here is the tell that no one died. This right here, again, is the, is the complete giveaway that this entire thing was a theatrical play that was taking place. You would not reinstate her. Um, she all she, she again wouldn't just be placed on administrative leave. She would have been arrested and questioned, and interrogated. And again, this is the standard procedure for things like this. Again, I'm not a police officer, but I don't have to be. I know what the what the policy and procedure is for American K twelve educators who hold certification. They would have lost their certification. Again, they'd be in jail. Where are the civil lawsuits? None of them exist. Not a single civil lawsuit has been filed on, on behalf of parents toward anyone, which should prove to people that nothing happened here. Absolutely nothing. Keep in mind, they also do not have any footage of them entering the actual classroom itself. None. Zero. Um, just wanted to lay that out there. Again, it's just more proof that nothing happened. On top of that, this too is, is why this entire hoax is ensnaring so many people, is that even this Alex Stein guy, the alleged comedian who you know goes around and raps at school board meetings and whatever else, he shows up at the city council meeting in Uvalde and starts yelling at them about how they didn't do anything and, and whatever else. And people were commenting at the callous nature in which the school board members, or sorry, city council members were just sitting there not responding and not saying anything. And some of them may have even been smirking. Ladies and gentlemen, they know nothing happened. You see, this is the depth of deception is that it's even ensnared the likes of Alex Stein, who apparently 
is incapable of thinking for himself and even investigating a little bit as to what actually went on there. But he buys it. And again, he's either ignorantly buying it or he's really buying it. I'm not sure which. He could, again, be playing dumb for the purpose of trying to garner clicks and likes and shares and reposts and this online social media nonsense game that gets played where now he's trying to, uh, you know, I don't know, broaden his audience or his scope of empathy, so to speak, as opposed to just being seen as some rapping comedian who shouts at the top of his lungs. Um, it, it, it makes him look foolish. It makes him look, again, like he's been tricked because he has been tricked assuming again that he doesn't know what's really going on here. So that that, that hasn't helped his cause at all. Um, that's, again, that's my two cents on that. But again, back to the principle, you, you would not reinstate someone if actual murders took place. Ladies and gentlemen, they will fire a secretary who opens a locked door when the door is supposed to remain closed and then something bad happens as a result of that door being unlocked, okay? If that happens in any school in America, typically speaking, they are reprimanded and they lose their job. They may even be placed on a month-long suspension or something along those lines. But this was an actual school principal. So the only reason that they engaged in some fake investigation of her, which was fake because nothing happened, was to uh, just appease the sheep and just give them something to chew on, uh, knowing full well that they were just going to bring her back and say, hey, look, we did the best we could. You know, and they always use these, these fake deaths of people as sort of the, the empathetic backstop that they need to justify um, their lack of, of logical response if this were really happening and, and people actually really died, which of course they didn't. They say, well, it's been hard on all of us. You know, it's been, uh, it's been a tough process on all of us. So let's just kind of all just, you know, settle down and everybody feels terrible and we're all in the same boat on that and we all want to make things better and we all want to fix things and whatever else. That, that's not the way that it goes. That's not law. That's not codes of conduct. That's not, uh, that's not contractual obligations. That's not the legal responsibility that these school officials have in these positions. They don't get to do that. They don't get to just wash over all of it sort of with this again, uh, whatever, this benign brushstroke of well it's you know it's it's okay you know we're all going to be fine and because of the loss of life we're all feeling pain not a single civil lawsuit because it was a play and the whole thing was fake so there's that just wanted to bring that up it it was laughable i i think it's just laughable that um that people are still buying that. Uh, here's the next thing. If anybody has watched even five minutes, and I highly recommend it, five minutes of the Alex Jones trial, and you can catch footage of this in its entirety 
on the Law and Crime channel on YouTube regarding the Sandy hoax. Ladies and gentlemen, this is one of the beautiful things about being sued for defamation over a hoax is that you get to bring to bear any evidence that you have in your defense into a court of law. Quite literally, they are playing footage of crisis actors from Sandy Hook in the courtroom in defense of Alex Jones. They're actually doing this. So again, this is, this is very funny that the prosecutors, the judge, and the jury are all sitting there watching these actors laugh right before they get right before they start talking about their dead children the same day because as i'm sure you 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 know that laughter is the emotional response you have when one of your children has been slaughtered in a school the same day I'm being sarcastic, of course. That's not the emotion you have. You have the exact opposite emotion. In fact, you're so probably overridden with grief that you don't even want to talk to anyone, let alone CNN. But they're showing this footage, including the now dead medical examiner, who either was fake or real, not sure, but he even was sort of joking it. You know, we've got the best. What was his line? But I mean, he was even laughing in that interview that he gave back during the Sandy Hoax days. Um, that same day, it was it was beyond ridiculous. Uh, his acting skills were the worst. But he was talking about, you know, we have the best photographers, and uh, this is just the way that it is. And very specific anomalies were being brought up, where they were playing again direct quotes from these parents, and then asking even Owen Schroyer. Uh, one of the other hosts of a show on on Infowars, this kind of stuff, and I mean, Owen's looking there like, yeah, this is weird. I mean, why would a parent say that he picked up his dead his dead daughter with a bullet hole in her head when the parents weren't allowed to see these children because the medical examiner had pictures taken of the children, and that's how the children were identified. I mean, they go through it step by step, and they're highlighting all of these lies. So again, even a person who thinks that it was real, if they watch this, they have to walk away with even more questions in their heads. And questions, ladies and gentlemen, require answers. You can't just keep asking questions and not find an answer. There have to be answers, and there are answers, and that's the truth. But for people to not arrive at that and figure out what that is and think about what that might be, um, that's, that's just laziness and brainwashing and a thousand other things, of course, that are involved in all of that. But I wanted to mention that again because if, again, if a person, again, it's on the Law and Crime channel on YouTube, if anybody gets on there and watches even pieces of this, you're going to see that all of this has actually been brought out in court and it's beyond evident that it didn't happen, that the entire thing, again, was fake. I've been over it in previous episodes in its entirety. But uh, there you go. Yeah. It's incredible. I think it's incredible. Speaking of incredible, and of course, no cause of death released, 
This comes from the Gateway Pundit just the other day. Northern Iowa swimmer passes away. Cause of death not released. Lily Ernst, born in 2001, died Wednesday. Passed away on Wednesday at the age of 21. University of Northern Illinois, I'm sorry, Northern Iowa, my apologies, uh, has lost a beloved member of the Panther family with the sudden passing of Lily Ernst, the athletic director David Harris said in a school release. This loss is heartbreaking on our swimmers and diving team, our athletic department, and the entire UNI campus. We offer our deepest condolences to Lily's family's teammates and friends. Ladies and gentlemen, you had to get jabbed to attend these universities. You had to get jabbed to play sports. This is a jab-related death. Healthy 21-year-olds don't die. They don't die of heart attacks. They don't die of strokes. They don't die of pulmonary embolisms. They don't, unless it is alcohol or drug-induced. And she doesn't look like an alcohol or drug user at face value. So. Again, it's Occam's razor. The answer lies in the explanation that requires the least amount of assumptions. We know what caused this. It isn't brain surgery. Remarkably uh, upsetting to say the least, though, because she's not alone. The number of college students that are passing away, as I have said in the past, in particular during the summer break when they tend to be away from these campuses, is exponential and incalculable because if they don't return, who's going to find out about that? Well, the Bursar's office will find out about it because the parents will have to call the Bursar's office and say, stop charging us for tuition, room and board, XYZ. Our son or daughter is, is now, is, has passed away. And they'll say, the Bursar's office, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. I'll cancel all of the all of the billing effective immediately, you know, take care. And then that's it. That's it. The only way that we would even get closer to hearing about the truth is if they are associated with a sports program. But if they're just your quote-unquote run-of-the-mill student, you're never going to hear about it. You just won't. Again, this brings up a very tasteless approach, and it's something that I've brought up in the past, but it is something that, again, is going to take place with more regularity, mark my words, is that this is going to be caught on film. That K-12 university students and university and college students are going to be caught on film losing consciousness in a variety of settings, whether it be on the university bus, at the university bus stop, in class, not necessarily even on the field of play, although that's going to happen too. This is the kind of evidence that the American people have got to see in order to wake them up. Because as I've said, just because an occasional story like this about an athlete, and there was another basketball player, same thing, uh, who recently passed away of a heart attack. I believe he was attending a, uh, a youth basketball summer camp. Fell over, heart attack, dead. Just like that. If this isn't caught on film, and this film isn't shown to the public and bouncing around the social media sites in all of its horror, which it is, but 
it's easier to bury these stories, is my point, than it is bury a video of actual video evidence. And this is where the shit is going to hit the fan. And again, you've heard me say this before, so just bear with me here. But this is where this is going to back up on school board members, university officials, et cetera, et cetera. These officials have these quote unquote officials. They're officials of ignorance. Let's not kid ourselves. And of course, criminality and death, because now they've sanctioned all of this. They don't know what's coming because it's continuously happening. But it's, it's happening at such a irregular pace that they think that they can dodge it as much as humanly possible. It's like whack-a-mole. It's like the old arcade game whack-a-mole. The reason you can hit the moles and earn points and win the tickets is because they start popping up one at a time. But as we know, the longer the game gets played, more moles come up. You can't hit all six moles at the exact same time unless you're jumping on the machine with your entire body. Or you're doing what the smart kid did, which was you take the mallet from the machine right next to it and you start hitting as many of the six moles at the same time as you can with two mallets instead of one. And you've basically broken the game. The problem is, is that this is unavoidable. This is going to become unavoidable. There aren't enough mallets that the person can have to avoid what's coming, is my overall sort of metaphor there. They, they just won't. They can't run from this. It's going to be too telling. And again, in approximately two to three weeks, Miami University, the local university where I live, their students are going to be coming back. They, of course, always have that freshman move-in day or they all show up for the weekend with their parents and whatever else. And yes, there will be people who attend this university. But think of what they've had to do to themselves to attend. They've had to take these shots. It's a requirement. They haven't done away with the requirement, to my knowledge. Um, yeah, which leads me to this, actually. This is a this is the neighbor story I have. So, an old neighbor stopped by the house, and and they no longer live in um, in Ohio. They they moved to Florida. I'm gonna do my best to just recall this this piece of the story. But they used to work at the local hospital in the town where I live, and I've told you stories about this hospital and you know their policies over the last two years and how ridiculous all of that is. But she's closer with people who actually still work within that hospital. So she knows what goes on and keeps in touch with, with people who still live in town who, again, are close to people who work in the hospital. According to her, and keep in mind, this can't only be at this hospital. There's no way. <laughs> I mean, there's no way. Because it's not a huge hospital. That all of the individuals who are in ICU are the nurses themselves as patients themselves. That the nurses are the patients in ICU. And that the second wave of nurses are tending to the nurses who are in ICU. They're consistently short-staffed. They're always sick. And they're treating themselves and one another as employees all of the time. Even she understood, 
and I don't know her status on being jabbed or not. But even she understood that all of this was very odd. And there didn't seem to be a connection to the jabs. It was just sort of a variant kind of assumption that was taking place. And I thought, mm, there are no variants. It's all fake. It's just the jabbed who are getting sick. But again, people not being able to see that continues to perplex me, as I know it does a lot of people. We're saying to them, you know, we're saying to ourselves, how do these people not see this? You took these shots, they don't work. You're sick. You think it's COVID. It isn't because no such thing exists. And now what? Um, it, it just blows me away. But again, that's a university hospital. But also, one of the things, of course, that you've heard me bring up in the past that's taking place, and again, Miami University cannot be unique in this regard. They're building a massive hospital or student hospital or wellness center, whatever the hell you want to call it, on the actual campus itself, right in the middle of the campus. I mean, it is almost right directly in the middle of the entire campus, closer to the freshman living in the freshman dormitories. Well, why would they be doing that? Again, they took all of this CARES Act money, I'm sure, to throw into that. So why does anybody believe for a minute that these environments are going to remain alive or uh, erect, so to speak, regarding, again, the buildings and the institution as a whole? I just don't, I don't get it. Again, they're already hundreds of millions of dollars in debt. Before 2019, there was a massive story that hit the newspapers back when I read newspapers, but it was about a lot of Southwest Ohio and Ohio colleges and universities and how much in debt they were. Miami University was 350 to 390 million, million dollars in debt. And that was before 2019. So what are they doing with the, with the CARES Act money? Did they pay off some of their debt? No. They're just wasting it. And they're, and they're building these healthcare facilities to do what? To temporary, to basically temporarily take money or treat these ill-jabbed students that they themselves required to be jabbed, thereby requiring them to basically be ill. It is, <laughs> this entire thing is remarkable. It just continues to baffle me that they don't see what they're doing. But someone has to see it. Someone at the very, very top, you know, the absolute puppet master who's controlling these institutions has to know. And I'm not talking about, again, university presidents. They might not know what they're doing. But the people that are controlling them, and the entire, again, apparatus as a whole, I wonder if they fully understand. Well, I mean, they have to. They, they, they have to know. Someone in that entire chain of influence has got to know what, 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 what exactly they're doing. Certainly the medical industry does. Because why else would these schools and universities be building hospitals now 
bigger, bigger, more elaborate hospital, either from, again, CARES Act money or donor money, alum money, whatever it is, on the middles of these campuses now when they didn't before. So what are you anticipating? It's incredible. So there's that. Uh, here, here's another one, and this came from the most recent episode of The Five Docs. I'm not done watching the entire thing yet, but Dr. Kerry Madej mentions a couple of things that are, that are interesting. On a positive note, she mentions how she is, as a result of her plane crash, she's receiving frequency treatment on her, on her injured bones, her leg and her spine, XYZ. And again, she refers to it as being a new thing. Now, I'm not one to correct her, but it's not new. Frequency being used to heal people dates back to Nikola Tesla. That is, is exactly what he said heals people. And once people figure that out and they harness that, and then that becomes standard practice, which it won't for certainly quite some time, because again, the apparatus, medically speaking, is so corrupt that they don't want they don't want non-pharmaceutical cures for things because there's no money in it as far as they're concerned. So she basically again describes frequency and sitting in front of these monitors that are that are pumping out a frequency that again are helping her heal. That's a quick summary of what she describes. But I'd recommend, again, going over to the Critically Thinking channel on, uh, on Rumble and, and listening to that because she even talks about individuals who have vertigo and how one of the things, again, as simple as it sounds, getting outside and walking around barefoot is a very simple cure and treatment for people who have vertigo, that they need to become more grounded in their environment rather than, again, staying inside and eating and drinking what they're eating and drinking and not getting in the sun and this, you know, this, that, and the other, but reorganizing their time so that they're using their off time in, in more healthy ways to rejuvenate their body, basically. Uh, and she spends a lot of time on that, which is great. Uh, she also, again, talks about how she doesn't take any painkillers after that plane crash. And she's, I think she said something like she took Advil maybe twice over the course of two weeks. So there you go. Remarkably impressive. She also brings this up too, which sort of plays into the larger nefarious scheme. And again, just like the devil would, uh, this this idea of providing a particular service under the guise of it being a better alternative might not actually be, and it has to do with telemedicine. I've benefited from that. Lots of people have benefited from that. Again, the acquisition of ivermectin and a bunch of other, uh, you know, particular drugs that that certainly work and and cure what ails us at the you know at the time, but. She describes how a friend of hers or an old colleague of hers is enjoying the telemedicine aspect of things and views it as being easier because, again, according to her, her, her colleague, she basically says that she doesn't have to spend a lot of time with patients, which isn't a good thing. 
and that the artificial intelligence programs that they're using to track these individuals, these patients, becomes easier because all the doctor has to do is rely on the AI system to prescribe what apparently ails these people and prescribe a cure for what ails them. What Dr. Madej brings up, and she's right, is that those artificial intelligence systems are designed to push out the doctor so that in the future, there is no doctor. There is a sheep as a person and a computer, and that's it. That you tell the computer what you have, the computer tells you what you need, you take it. That's it. That's not good. And um, I, again, I would, I would say this, that you've, and you've heard me say this before too, that we have to become our own doctors, that we don't need to rely on computers or AI systems or even telemedicine or urgent care or down the street family physicians, that if the family physician isn't spending time with the patients and getting to know them and actually physically examining them, ethically, morally, the whole thing, not pushing the pharmaceutical drugs, not pushing the jabs, whatever else, that we have to just become our own doctors. We have to do our own research on what prevents, what maintains, and then what cures. And then we have to do whatever we have to do to bring that information to as many people as we can so that they have that at their disposal. So that's you know, that, that, that's one of the things that I think has to occur. With that said, I have a quick update uh, to my website, which I wanted to mention, and it will, be, it will be live by the time you hear this, but in the documents section of AmericanEducationFM.com, I'm going to throw up a series of PDFs that have to do, again, from, well, they're, they're documents that come from the, uh, hang on, the FLCCC Alliance. And you may be familiar with that, but that's the Frontline COVID-19 Critical Care Alliance, and it's prevention and treatment protocols for COVID-19. So they have the recover treatments. They have, if you're jab injured, which we know that everybody who took the jabs is jab injured um, or going to be. And it's a series, again, it's just a series of PDFs. It also includes a 45 some odd page PDF regarding hospital treatment. And that if you find yourself in the hospital, what, it, what is it that you should tell them and hand them and, and what exactly you should be on? Um, we know that, of course, you should stay away from remdesivir because that's killed people. We know that the previous hospital policies and protocols have, have killed endless people. And um, which frankly brings me to this next thing, which is don't take Paxlovid. That uh, Pfizer pill drug, apparently. Um, I believe it was last week on greatawakening.win, someone acquired Paxlovid, and then they decided to go into the package insert or the uh, multi-page description of what Paxlovid does and could, could do to you. It's essentially remdesivir, based on what the individual was reading and, and the different forms that were available that they showed. And they had multiple pictures of the forms. I read through a few of them, enough to where clearly it was evident that no one should ever take Paxlovid. 
Of course, I think Joe Biden took it and Anthony Fauci, and it doesn't work. Go figure. So, uh, yeah, stay away from the Paxlovid. But again, those PDF documents will be the first link, and I'll just I'll link every single PDF document uh, r- right there as the very top link under the documents section of my website, AmericanEducationFM.com. Again, I highly recommend that you uh, you download those. Because if you're anything like me, you have jab-injured family members, and they're not awake, and they don't know what to do. So sending them these documents is going to, and sending them a link to these documents is going to be a very easy sort of one-click response. If they say, hey, you know, have you heard of this, or, you know, I'm, I'm not feeling well, what about this? Just send them the link to the document and just say, read this. And it's all pretty much right there. So there you go. Uh, Here's another story. This comes from the National Library of Medicine. And it's titled, Cusertin inhibits the growth of a multidrug-resistant estrogen receptor negative MCF-7 human breast cancer cell line expressing type 2 estrogen binding sites. It's a mouthful, but at the end of the abstract, it says, quote, this substance could be the parent compound of a novel class of anti-cancer agents. I'm going to just say this in summary here. We are living through one of the most incredible times to be paying attention and to, and to be alive here. All of what was hidden is coming to the forefront regarding cancer cures. No one is coming on your television and saying, here's the cure for cancer. They're not holding up a sign and saying, here's the cure for cancer. Ladies and gentlemen, the cure for cancer has been in front of our eyes the entire time. It's everywhere. Multiple different things. Taken multiple different times over the course of time, you name it. We are living literally through the time where the cures for cancer are being revealed to the public. But we still are brainwashed because if you tell people that, they will look at you like they have just smelled something terrible because they won't believe you. Again, they'll get their, that look on, on their face like they've just heard something that cannot possibly be real. But it is very real. We know about ivermectin. Now, again, they're saying Cusertin has very similar properties. And if taken with regularity, again, much like vitamin D3, you're not going to find a person who has cancer who has high levels of vitamin D3 in their system. But of course, you know, what do people do in our culture? Instead of standing outside and staring at the sun and letting their skin absorb all that the sun has to offer, they coat themselves in this poison called sunscreen. And then they end up sick and they wonder why. It, uh, it, it blows me away. Blows me away. In fact, one of the cures to being sick from quote-unquote COVID has to do with 
and it's on these PDFs again that'll be on my website from the uh, again Frontline Alliance there. But it has to do with intermittent fasting. That individuals who intermittent fast are less likely to become ill and more likely to get rid of parasites as opposed to individuals that eat three, four, five meals a day, uh, almost like clockwork. I mean, it's incredible. The, the, those documents are, are valuable. And again, they, they should be documents that you print out and that you keep and that you put in a filing cabinet and it becomes, again, an area of your home where you just have access to ways to feel better. And again, most of it has to do with a vitamin regimen and eating the right foods and intermittent fasting and exercise and, you know, not poisoning yourself. Go figure. So there you go. I think it's great. I mean, it's, it's, it's good stuff. It's good news. This, however, is not good news. Shifting gears slightly, this comes from Natural News. It says, Vayers data. More people have suffered brain injury from COVID vaccines than from all other vaccines combined over the past 30 years. But don't worry, ladies and gentlemen. Make sure and get your third or fourth or fifth booster at this point. Uh, it says the following. Data from the Vaccine Adverse Events Reporting System re revealed an alarming increase in cases of brain injury following the rollout of the Wuhan coronavirus vaccines compared to the previous 30 years. Bears received over 1,092 cases of brain injury related to the COVID-19 vaccine from December 2020 to May 13th of this year, for an average of over 64 cases per month. For the previous 30 years, or 360 months, there were only 1,068 cases of brain injury associated to all other vaccines for an average of less than three per month. Here's the problem I have with this. You, you know where I'm going with this, most likely. Most doctors don't add any information into the VAERS report. They don't do it. If a child is vaccinated and they show up with a brain injury, they don't blame the vaccine. Ergo, why would they enter anything into the VAERS report? They wouldn't. That would require the doctor making two moves that they don't want to make. One, blaming the vaccine, and two, doing the extra legwork to fill out a VAERS report on a vaccine injury. You're talking about a level of admission that's at least three degrees deep that they can't possibly make, and most medical doctors aren't making it, which again, this is not a system that's going to survive. But uh, yeah, it's, it's just awful. It says, depending on the type of severity and encephalopathy, common neurological symptoms may include inab inability to concentrate, lethargy, progressive loss of consciousness, progressive loss of memory and cognitive ability, subtle personality changes. Other neurological symptoms may include dementia, loss of ability to swallow or speak, muscle atrophy and weakness. Uh, myoclonus, if I'm saying that right, involuntary twitching of a muscle or group of muscles, uh, nystagmus, if I'm saying that right, rapid involuntary eye movement, seizures, and tremors. Of course, then they reference blood tests and how that needs to take place and 
XYZ. So then there's that. All right. I'm going to wrap up with this. And this is rather interesting, I think, uh, certainly thought provoking. And it's something I know that my audience has thought about, uh, certainly from, from time to time, in particular, if you're thinking multidimensionally about a lot of the different scenarios that are taking place over the course of the world and, and uh, globally speaking, and the, and the things that, of course, we are seeing and the patterns and the trends, certainly with food shortages and the farmers and going after the fertilizers in Canada and going after the farming land in Australia and New Zealand and the Netherlands and so on and so forth. Um, I'm just going to read this post and I would invite you to roll it around a little bit and just kind of, I don't know, just think about it. It says the following. Uh, it's titled this. I'm not going to tell you where I found this, but I'll, I'll just tell you I, I found this. It's anonymous. And again, it's just kind of worth reading. It's titled, they don't want civil war. They don't want to have the control challenges by angry white men with guns, they are very effective at knowing how to keep you from resorting to that. And it says the following, quote, keep you separated so you can't fight a civil war without an army. Keep you paranoid. If every call to arms is treated like a trap, no one will answer. Keep you tied up with abstract concepts like morality or principles. If you find the very concept of rebellion distasteful, you will never rebel. There's other plans as well to ensure civil war never kicks off, but basically some guerrilla domestic terrorists who take a country over piece by piece will be doing major damage to the current global agenda right now. They don't want it. It's the last thing they want. It's the first thing they fear. So yeah, I have to disagree now. Russia and its allies are also causing problems for the NWO right now, and the Western countries are trapped because they cannot go to war while internal tensions are so strong within their borders. The moment they send their country to an international war is the moment when civil war kicks off within them. The people are not to be underestimated, even unarmed. They can seize weapons from local officers and use them to begin taking more and more from the enemy. Most civil conflicts begin in rural locations, with the first event of armed conflict between civilian and state representatives occurring there. The, the current agricultural disputes are prime ground for the people to start killing the protectors of the state, with the goal of overturning the entire government. It's never more than 10% of the population who is needed to be on board with civil conflict for an official civil war to break out. On the other side of the oceans, we have the fall midterms. So I believe that this post, if I'm not mistaken, may have been written by a European because they're sort of referring to us regarding the fall midterm. It says these will be, a very, will be very contentious considering that a lot of Americans haven't forgotten the blatant theft of the presidential steal from Trump. Disputes over the integrity of this election will be enough to set off a war in the United States. Around the world, people are hoping for civil war, not because they want it, but because this ever-worsening peace is so intolerable to them. 
you could be amazed at why we haven't had it break out yet. That's because the elites know how to keep it from happening. The alt-right was a threat because it got people who were unhappy with the current state of things together, and gathering is a requirement for rebellion. That's been effectively shut down. Internet is easy for them to listen in on, and it's easy for them to interfere with. Best to keep us malcontents on here. There's the meme about going in the woods and living off-grid. This is effective because it divides us further and makes bagging us easier even when they inevitably do it, unquote. Here's what I think about this. I think that there's a lot of good points in this anonymous post. I like thought-provoking things like this. I always do. I enjoy reading, and I enjoy reading about things like this and thinking multidimensionally about different scenarios. I think that they are right when it comes to rural locations and farmland being the locations of first events of armed conflict. I think that if that were to pop off, then that would be the time and the place. If you had local government seizing land here in the United States from private owners, those private owners will scream and shout, but eventually they will take it from someone who will not comply with government. And then there would be gunfire. And then that would be your shot around the world, so to speak. Uh, again, the history of our country was started with a false flag, where even to this day, they say, well, we don't know who shot the first shot. Was it the British Army or was it the colonials and the revolutionaries you know, in, here in the States? Who, who exactly, or in the colonies, who exactly was it? Well, we know from a lot of historic research that it was us, that we needed the fight, that we needed the war to take place. And that it was probably us that, that shot, and we shot from a distance. And I mean, a lot of this is broken down in an excellent book by uh, James Perloff titled 13 Pieces of the Jigsaw. I highly recommend that book. It's filled with historic dives into false flags. And the start of the Revolutionary War was, is one of them. Very interesting stuff. But this elimination of farmland and the raising of prices of fertilizer and again all of that that's taking place right now is how they're squeezing these individuals piece by piece and they're doing it of course in numerous countries and that's what's going on um it will be interesting to see how far they take that and it will be interesting to see who stands on the side of the of the state and the individuals that are robbing people. And then, of course, what do we do about that? Um, my personal take regarding this upcoming election is that something has to give. The fraud is rampant. There's already footage of, and it's been taking place throughout the primary season already, we already know this, that Election results are being broadcast on the nightly news before the election takes place. That happened in Michigan. Uh, 
regarding local primaries and local races up there. The same thing again is happening in Wisconsin with these mobile buses that are moving around and picking up these ballots from drop boxes and then collecting them in a bus and then driving them from, you know, place to place or whatever. All of it, all of it is fraudulent. These people are sketchy to the bone. But something has to give here. Again, whether it is full-blown martial law, military intervention, something. We cannot possibly go through another rigged election and have a bunch of people lose who we know were set to win and the voter turnout for them winning it was you know is massive and will be massive and then all of a the sudden they just miraculously don't win i think the i think the race in arizona is going to be interesting i think the kari lake running for governor race is uh that's going to be massive that's going to be a massive tipping point if she were to lose all hell will break loose because she's ahead by 20 some odd points you can't even you can't even name her opponent i don't even know her opponent's name so even the casual observer has to have heard of Kari Lake and, and what's going on there um there are many other races as well and unfortunately there are a lot of rhinos who are being ind- endorsed by Donald Trump and and a lot of bad people that are being endorsed by seeming patriots so to speak i i I don't uh i don't fully understand that either but uh yeah that's just kind of my ramblings on the situation i I don't know if i answered anything there i probably didn't but that kind of leads me to this last thing which i'll i'll mention it's a preparatory thing i've always promoted the preparation of of what people again should have in and around their homes and that we continue to treat our homes like our castle. But uh, this comes from Australia One and Ricardo Bossi's political party there in Australia. And it's a form titled Community Matters, and it says, Have you read the news today? Oh boy. And it's a checklist of things that they recommend because they say at the bottom of this, it never hurts to be prepared. And it says we all have, uh, sorry, it says we are all beginning to see that the certainty we have enjoyed in the past cannot be relied on. Media reports of shortages globally are increasing. It says we might not only see gaps in supply of essential goods, but the cost of those things that are available might be difficult to afford. Look at fast food restaurants. Have you looked? I mean, you don't have to order anything. Just go through a drive-through and take a look at the prices. The people that rely on fast food on a consistent basis, can't afford it. I mean, even that's increasing dramatically. But this form continues and it says, uh, we trust the following suggestions will help you through these uncertain times. So it says the following. The first box says, have 30 days of cash on hand in case the grid goes down or other emergencies arise. The second one says, stock up now on stable grocery items, drinking water, pet needs, fuel and gas, cleaning goods, uh, candles, globes, not entirely sure what, what, what that is, um, flashlights maybe, batteries, and over-the-counter pharmacy goods. One quick little thing on candles. 
if power goes out, I don't recommend lighting candles. It's kind of a bad idea for, for two reasons. Number one, if they're scented, that's all you're going to be smelling inside of a home. Uh, and it, it's not clean, fresh air. And it can be overwhelming and, uh, and smell ridiculous, depending on what it is. So my recommendation, and I have, I have these at my disposal, but they are those battery-operated can- candles that even run on a timer. They take two AA batteries, and they last forever. Uh, well, not forever, but certainly a long period of time. I recommend those as well. And of course, flashlights and XYZ. But yeah, have some candles on hand. But uh, if you can avoid lighting them and use natural light as much as possible, then certainly do that. Uh, what else here? It says, the next one says, whenever possible, sub- support small family-owned businesses in your area, avoiding large business outlets. The next one says, go to farmer's markets and garage sales. The next one says, check out your community notice board for furniture and other household needs. The next one says, grow some simple vegetables. Start with easy-to-grow leafy greens. Uh, They can be harvested quickly. The next one says, start preparing now for Christmas, birthdays, and other major occasions. I, I don't get that, but okay. I'm sure people could do without a birthday or a Christmas gift, you know, if the shit hits the fan. <laughs> if anybody's complaining that Santa didn't stop by, you know, then they need a lesson in reality. Uh, the next one says, visit a local op shop. Keep in mind, this is Australia, so I don't know what all of these are. It says you will be saving money and helping them to help others. Uh, It says, make use of social media outlets for hints and tips on cooking, sewing, repairing clothes, simple building techniques, and basic gardening. Next one, keep an eye on vulnerable neighbors and be ready to share what you have with others who need help. That's going to be tough. Not because we're selfish people, but there are a lot of selfish people. But again, the people who are unaware of preparation are going to be the people that are struggling the most. And then, of course, how much of a drain on your supply are they going to be? So have something, you know, a little stacked away for the people who are brain dead as to what's going on. It says, uh, can you make extra cash from home, making items, growing plants, or having garage sales? The next item then said, Check out which agencies in your area might be able to help those in difficulty. Well, again, this is a matter of brainwashing and who has, who's been a sheep in this entire process. We can't expect places like Goodwill to go help people door to door if it came to that because they themselves won't know what the hell's going on. Again, it's going to be us that are going to have to sort of protect ourselves and inform the masses if something were to go down. Uh, Check out my last war video, by the way. The one that has the Oregon Trail logo on my BitChute channel. I recommend watching that, in particular the videos that are in the latter half of that episode. And, And that war video is rather long. I mean, it's almost an hour long. But it's worth it. There's some interesting, thought-provoking things going on there where, again, people are talking about either a real attack on our our land that our own government will do to us and then blame someone else. We've known that that's always been a scenario. But that something like that is more likely to kick off 
before, during, or after uh, the upcoming election here, midterms, because they need a distraction. And yeah, I mean, we're being invaded. Let's, you know, let's cut to the chase. We're being invaded again from California, New York, and Texas. And this is all occurring. Again, New York City just fired over 1,700 of its employees and police officers because they don't want to get jabbed. If you don't have cops, you don't have law enforcement. If you don't have any law enforcement, any law enforcement, you have lawlessness. Pretty, pretty simple domino fall there, I think. Uh, it then says, some charities offer budget counseling to help make funds stretch further. Again, that seems like a bit of a stretch. And then it says, do not be afraid or embarrassed to ask for help. Again, so this is, a, this is a pamphlet that's not just going out to those of us that are aware. This is a pamphlet that Australia One is putting out there on social media for anybody to pay attention to, including the asleep, which I think is a good thing. It, it, it certainly is a good thing. So yeah, prepare. Always, always prepare a little at a time. And uh, in particular, again, when it comes to supplements and vitamins and minerals and clean drinking water, et cetera, et cetera. Again, just in review, I'm going to toss up those COVID-related, jab injury-related protocols, preventions, remedies, um, all those PDFs on my website under the Documents tab. It will be the first set of PDFs that you see. So my recommendation, again, is you bounce over there, download those if, if you can. Certainly have a hard copy with you. And then again, uh, download, the, of course, the electronic copies so that you can move them to people that uh, may be asking you questions and may want to know what to do. Because unfortunately, these people are going right back to the same doctors who jabbed them in the first place for the alleged solution to now what ails them. Uh, that's not a survivable characteristic. Okay. Sorry for the downtone of this particular episode. I just kind of feel it in my bones that things are ramping up here. Not to mention with school about to start, it's really going to ramp up. And again, I'm going to be covering that more in depth in episodes to come here. Uh, yeah, there you go. <clears throat> with that said, ladies and gentlemen, I'll catch you on Wednesday. Big week. Here we go. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.